Real fast, I wanted to tell you about my new podcast, Upworthy Weekly. It's a lighthearted news podcast. It comes out on Saturdays, and I have forced my co-host, Todd Perry, to join me here to help me tell you about our new venture. Todd, why should they listen? Well, I mean, a lot of people, they think, oh, it's the Upworthy podcast. It's just going to be sunshine, and it's going to be unicorns. But you know what? It's really not that. Allison doesn't have the ability. She doesn't have it in her to actually be that person that I thought we were hiring when we did this show. But clearly, after just a couple episodes, the facade dropped. Okay, I thought, you know, she's doing the Upworthy show. It's not going to be like, oh, neurotic, cynical Allison. But no, she's there. So, you know, I try to counteract that with some of my good vibes. <laughs> um, and, uh, I would argue that if one person is coming off as a little bit cynical and unhinged right now, it's not me. It comes out every Saturday, wherever you get podcasts. Bye. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, with the good times never end. Allison Rosen, doing the way that's pants again. Allison Rosen, Allison's your new best friend. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I will bring in my guest in a moment, but first I must chat with you guys. Now, as you know, normally this is the part where I'll be talking to Tony Thaxton and he was away on tour playing drums with his rock band, Motion City Soundtrack, and then he came back and I was overjoyed that he was back and I gave him so much shit over the fact that his arm nearly exploded years ago and he did not heed the warning. He continues to drum incessantly and now he's gone again. It's like he's not even listening to me. So once again, here I am having to talk shit about him because it is all I can do when he is not here. Uh, just a few quick things, and then I'm going to bring my guest in very quickly. But the things are, it is over 100 in Los Angeles right now. It is even hotter in Burbank. <sighs> Burbank is in Los Angeles. I mean, it's essentially Los Angeles. It's You know what? It, that's This is a hyper-local conversation that no one cares about. What I'm trying to say is it's bad in L.A., and I think it's even worse where I am. I am melting it is extremely hot. So if you happen to be watching the video of this, youtube.com slash Allison Rosen, I'm very shiny and I'm not going to apologize. I can't help it. You shouldn't have used all that aerosol hairspray in the 80s and also uh, other stuff. Um, and then lastly, and this is a little bit disgusting, and I thought maybe I should even bring it up on the show, but I feel you are owed a coda to a story that began two years ago. As you know, because I wouldn't shut up about it, I saw some termite droppings in my studio. It was like two years ago, termite droppings, tiny little balls of wood is what they look like. That's termite poop. And I refused to bring in professionals. I said, I'm going to handle this myself. And I felt very proud of myself. I sprayed insecticide in the little hole, did not see anything after that, and I would not shut up about it. Felt very victorious. Now, fast forward to two years later, and in a different part of my studio, I am seeing actual live termites, like full-on bugs. And um, I know that this is making you think that I record from a pile of wood in a garbage dump which is not the image I want you to have of me. Just a shiny, hot lady in a garbage dump with insects everywhere. That's not, if, if you, like, look at my social media. It's a, it's a very nice, clean-looking studio that happens to be invested with termites right now. Um, anyway, I feel that I am a cautionary tale. And, the, and um, it's as if I went to a doctor... And the doctor said, don't worry, 
but we've noticed that you have a tumor. And you and and but it's still treatable at this point. I feel like I shouldn't be using this as an example because it's like way too upsetting for people. Um, I wish I could think of an example that's not upsetting. Um, but you can you get what I'm saying. So I, I just won't even use a real example. So I went to a doctor and they said you have um, deathly poison ivy, but we can take it out right now. So come back on Monday, uh, and we'll just remove this poison poison ivy that is actually lethal. And I said no, I'm just gonna treat it with sunshine and good vibes. And then I was like. Hey, you guys, I feel much better. And now two years later, the poison oak is everywhere. I could, I feel so stupid. So anyway, what I'm saying is while we're doing this show, the whole studio might crumble around me. And also, if you know me, you know, I hate insects. Um, I suppose ladybugs are okay. There's a few butterflies are nice. There's a few, a few exceptions. I've started being able to like, if I see like a, you know, there, I saw a praying mantis in our home and I was able to just scoop it up on a piece of paper and carry it outside. And I thought that's progress. But in general, not a big fan. Uh, and look what's happened now. So um, um, I really feel like a real idiot. And, uh, but I feel like it adds a dash of suspense because I don't know how sturdy any of the structures are around me. And we're heading into Labor Day weekend, which is the wrong time to need to hire professionals. And you know, you just know, you just know they're going to have a real big, like, I told you so look on their face. So that's happening. Okay. Enough of that. That's gross. Thank you for listening. All right. I'm delighted to bring in my guest. She, and if she wants to say, I told you so, she can. I, she doesn't need to, though. I don't know what her personal experience is with dry wood termites. Okay. She is a screenwriter, an actress, an improviser. You've seen her in a million things. However, I know from listening to her on another podcast that if you say to her, what have, especially if she's in, if, if she's in your lift or something, if you say to her, what have I seen you in? It doesn't feel so good to her. It makes her a little bit uncomfortable. And I totally get that. Cause when people say to me, Oh, what podcast do you host? I feel like they're saying, Oh, I think you're a fraud, but that's really my own issue. Okay. You seen her in because she wrote it happiest season she's also in wild horses golden arm a million more and also she's now in the new scripted podcast corked please put your hands together for mary holland hello hi welcome oh i'm so sorry about your termites it's my own fault it's so stupid of me it was so stupid to think that i could handle this situation what were you told to what did you so professionals before said this is what you should do and you said no sunshine and good vibes what did yeah. they say they said <laughs> if i tell you what they said it's even more damning because really <laughs> none of them were like i think you can get away with not doing anything right. they were like you could treat it locally but i don't think that's going to take care of the problem they right. were like we recommend tenting yeah. and we recommend actually tenting not just your studio, but w- if you're going to tent your studio, go ahead and tent the whole house. Tent everything. Yeah. And you know what? While you're at it. Tent all of tent, Burbank. Tent the whole neighborhood. Yeah. Tent Burbank. You know why? Because it's going to end up being cheaper to tent <laughs> That's right. your entire neighborhood <laughs> That's right. than to do it home by home. Oh, God. And I know you have small children, but it's probably, and a dog. But it wouldn't be that hard for you to leave the property for a no. few days. And also, could you shut off the gas? You're going to need to get the gas shut it's off. so weird. Yes. Yeah. So it was just when I heard. It's a lot. It, yeah. The, but I don't even know <laughs> that we needed to. I don't even think there was evidence of termite. So the studio that I'm in that's going to cr- crumble around me and is currently in. <laughs> and I can I can vouch for is not a dirt pile. Thank you very much. Or a wood pile. Thank yes, not yet. Thank you. Well, thank you. That's right. You're well. Of course, it looks so nice. It's deceptive. <laughs> it's, it's like a, it's like a real housewife or something. Um, <laughs> 
it's deceptively clean and not infested looking. Um, But yeah, so this is a separate structure in the backyard. And then we have like a a main house. And I don't even think there's evidence of termites in the main house, but they were recommending Mm. do both because it's going to end up being cheaper than doing them separately. And, And maybe because we have little kids, we would have to like ship, would have had to ship out even if, we were just tenting the studio, yeah, which right. is very not convenient. Like we don't have, <laughs> I can't even imagine a place with to kids. Yeah, we don't. We would have to go to a hotel, totally. Um, which yeah. is, I mean, it's not like impossible to do that, but it's just not super easy for us to. Especially then, it wasn't. I mean, now it would be more doable because there are ages that are more doable, but at the time. I think Owen was a baby baby and that seemed impossible. And also it's thousands of dollars. It just felt very impossible. And then to add on the main house, then it was like, I think at least like $5,000. And it all felt like, it all felt like I'm not even sure we need to do this. It seems so difficult. I think I can just do it myself with my bottle of, uh, super duper raid that is sold at Ralph's, but it, the spray bottle is black and it has a special button on the nozzle to lock it, which to me means it's like the hardcore oh, yeah. over the counter yeah, insecticide. This is poison. Yeah. Totally. This is straight up poison. Straight up poison. That's all that's over the counter. That's over the counter. Well, sure. Anybody can just, yeah. it's, it's crazy to me that we can all just, <laughs> we can all just buy things like that and then nobody's like monitoring what you're doing with these things like you could take buy like a can of raid and just be like well i wonder what this what'll happen if i like spray this Swallow in it. the bathroom and close the door like and i'm in that bathroom yeah <laughs> like nobody's like uh, monitoring how we handle these things that we can all just go buy. Like I, I had this thought a few months ago and, um, it was how, how are we not all just constantly doing such terrible things all the time? Like, for example, I mean, and on the spectrum of terrible things, this is probably on the lower end, but I was like, who who's to stop anybody from just pouring a bottle of olive oil on a couch? <laughs> Nobody's going to stop anybody from doing that. It's a good question. I had a sort of related <laughs> thought okay. when I got oh, my good. driver's license mm-hmm. and I drove myself to school at 16. I was like, I can't believe we all have our driver's licenses and we're just taking ourselves to school. <laughs> yes. We could go it anywhere. Yeah. Why am yeah. I just going to school? Yeah. Yeah. It is uh it is really well, especially at that age when you suddenly have so much agency. You like have such power yeah. when you had none. Right. Um, yeah, it's very it's it's a wonder anybody makes it to school if they're driving themselves. Another similar thought I had was one day I was like, I feel like taking a large ladle, not like a, not a soup ladle where Mm -hmm. the handle is like up and down and then the ladle is, I'm just making. Yes, nice and, um, yeah. Like a. It's like a, um, um. Like a cup with a handle that's straight up where you just pull it out. Not like like a little bowl. yeah, not a punch bowl ladle, but more like a um, maybe ladle is the wrong term, but like a serving spoon, a which serving also spoon. sounds like a ladle. Mm-hmm. So like a like mm-hmm. imagine a um, <laughs> this is mm-hmm. no, I'm so with not you. worth I'm it. With you. Okay, but <laughs> no, imagine I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> okay, so imagine a tablespoon, but just like much bigger, like a serving spoon, like that to like spoon out corn or something. Yeah. So I was your, th- your corn spoon. A corn spoon, a corn yeah. niblet spoon. I was like, <laughs> I think it would be super fun to grab a big spoonful of corn niblets and then just throw it over my left shoulder behind me. 
Interesting. Yeah. But like that's sort of like th- pouring olive oil on a couch. It is. I never did it. Why don't we? Like, but, am right. I going What's to go through us? this whole life? And I think the answer is yes. Having never thrown corn over my shoulder. <laughs> Are you going to never? No, we could change that. I you know. can do it. I know. <laughs> um. I Well, now you put it in my head. Now I feel like I'm, I'm going to. If ever might- I'm eating corn niblets, I'm going to probably be tempted to throw them over my shoulder. It sounds almost like a superstitious thing. Like yeah. you throw salt over your shoulder. Because I said left shoulder. It's not, it doesn't have to be left shoulder. It just, that okay. just seemed, that's just, I'm right-handed. So that's how I envision it. That makes it. sense. And it's- you always hold your corn spoon with your right hand. So that's how I was raised. Well- um, <laughs> so when you were 16 though, you were at mm-hmm. your boarding school, right? Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Interlocking. I know. I've done some research. <gasps> oh my gosh. Allison. <laughs> yes. I was there. Yes. When I was 16. Um, so, but yeah. Well, I was going to say, so were you, uh, were you driving yourself or were you just walking no. campus? I was, I lived on campus. It was, uh, it was just, um, yeah, I had, well, it's interesting because I think I turned, oh no. Yeah. When I was 16, I took, I, my, I'm a summer baby. Oh. And so, not to brag, but my birthday is uh, right in between like when a school year ends and when one starts. So, yes, when I had turned 16, I didn't even have the option to drive myself to school because I, I started going to this, this uh, boarding school in Michigan and I lived on campus and every, you just walked everywhere. And on the weekends, though, you could sign up to take a bus into – the nearest city, which was Traverse City. And you could uh, go to the mall, like you would like, you know, be shuttled to the mall or to, you know, Main Street, Traverse City and get all of your, all of your accessories from Claire's that you need. (laughs) And um, (laughs) yeah, so I, I, I never had that experience of driving myself to school, but I was so jealous of, I went to uh, Galax High School in Virginia and is the town I grew up in up until I went to Interlochen. And I thought it was so cool that the teachers and students all parked in the same parking lot. Yes. I was like, this is so, like seeing juniors and seniors drive up in their car. It was like the, the, the epitome of cool to me. <laughs> so this boarding school that you went to, it was an arts high school, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the biggest fan of Facts of Life, and I wanted to go to boarding school. I would not have been cut out for boarding school at all. I was very much a late bloomer, and uh, I needed to be home with my parents. But in my fantasies, I definitely went to a boarding school. So <laughs> I, I have got to know, what was it like? Oh my gosh. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. It was co-ed too. It was, uh, we, you know, there were, there were boys dorms and girls dorms. Um, and it was also like in Northern Michigan. So it was very snowy for most of the school year. Like, I feel like it was, you got like a little peak of, uh, summer spring, but it was mostly fall. Very like, it felt like very, um, uh, it was in Michigan, but it had that sort of East Coast, like, ooh, academia vibe. Oh, that sounds so nice. <laughs> it was so fun. And then, and also it was full of people who, uh, kids from all over the world who, uh, were really passionate about their specific art that they were doing. So it was, it was like going to school with all, the band geeks and the, you know, and, and that's like exclusively who you're going to school with. So, um, you would walk around campus and hear people practicing their violins in the practice rooms and, uh, the most amazing singers and dancers. And you could go see recitals on any night of the week. It was, it was really an amazing experience. And it was so fun. You were there studying drama acting. I was there studying theater. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yes, I was. I, uh, but my junior year though, I, I didn't really get into any shows. <laughs> um, listen, it, I was, they were so kind to give me the opportunity to be there because I was in rough shape as, as a performer. Um, it, like I, because I came from a really small town in Virginia and, and didn't, 
hadn't had done like local productions there, but had never been in an acting class mm-hmm. before. So that was a whole new experience for me. And, um, and I, I learned very quickly <laughs> what that is like. <laughs> what was your audition process like? Or, or how, I, whatever it was that you had to do to get in. Yeah, I had to – I'm not sh- – maybe this was an option, but I don't remember it at the time. I had to go there in person. So my mom went with me to audition, and I was in front of the head of the theater department, and I did a, a contemporary monologue and a classical monologue, and – I think I sang a song, but they had people who who were applying as musical theater majors. So like they, they were, you know, very focused on uh, that and they had the most in amazing voices and I think I just had to sing a song just so they could like know what I was, which was not much. <laughs> um but yes, I remember the monologues I did. I do also remember the room that I did them in, which was they, they have such an, uh, unreal facilities at, at Interlochen. The, all the buildings are beautiful and, um, yeah, it's, it's an amazing place. And the theater building that I was auditioning in, I was in this room that I think we called the fishbowl because it, it was like glass, big glass windows that looked outside. Um, and it was very distracting to have class in there. I remember cause you just watch people mm-hmm. walk back and forth all the time, but that was the room I auditioned in. And so I was in front of the, the head of the theater department. I was so nervous. I was doing my monologues and I saw him looking outside at students walking oh. to the building. And I thought, that's it. I'm trash. <laughs> oh no. Um, and I was heartbroken and I didn't get in. And I didn't get in and I was just devastated because to me that, that was the only, that was like the only way I saw getting to pursue acting was if I could get into the school and then, um, follow a path from there. But, but I got in off the wait list. Thank God. (laughs) So yeah, so I did end up going, but, um, but I didn't know I was on the wait list. My mom kept that from me until, um, I had gotten in because she didn't want me to get my hopes up. Right. Oh, yeah. wow. Oh, how devastating. But then yeah. how, so how, what, um, what was the time period between when you, you got rejected and then found out you were going and then started? I think that was like, from when I got rejected, I feel like it was two months before I found out I'd gotten in. I, I want to say I auditioned in like March or something mm-hmm. and then found out in May that I had gotten in. Okay. And then I started in September. And this was September of 2001. Oh my God. My heart. This is quite a roller coaster ride. It was such um, a roller coaster. <laughs> were you resentful at all? Like, well, you didn't want me then, but now you want me? Or were you oh, just no. grateful? Oh, God. It, the one thing you got to know about me is I'll, whatever I can do <laughs> to get you to like me. Um, so I, I was over the moon. I didn't even have a, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky by the skin of my teeth. Mm-hmm. I got into this program and, uh, yeah. Um, okay. I have to awkwardly go back to something from the intro that all of a okay. sudden I just remembered. And I, and, uh, when I said, People who are listening are going to be like, I can't believe she's going back to this, but I have to because otherwise it'll sit in my brain and I will. Oh, yes. Let's go back. Let's go back. When I said you've seen her in Happiest Season because she wrote it, (laughs) I just want to make it clear that I, because all of a sudden I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, what if that sounded like I was saying like, because you wrote it, you put yourself in it. That wasn't what I meant. I was just, okay, good. Oh my God. No, I didn't. Oh my God. Okay, good. No, I didn't take it that way either. Okay, good. uh, I just was trying to add, I was trying to get the credit in there that you had had also written it. I just worried that came out. Co-wrote it with. Co-wrote it. Yes. Co-wrote it with Clea Duvall who directed it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just. But but I did write that part for me. Absolutely. (laughs) So so you're right on the money about that. I just was suddenly like, that came out really uh, like oh, ham, in a ham-fisted all. way. It did. It came out ham-fisted, I thought. Okay. I, I felt or smelt or tasted no ham. <laughs> okay. All right. Moving <laughs> back to interlocking. <laughs> now, so it sounds like your parents, radiologists, 
in a tiny oh my town gosh. Allison, in Virginia. Everything. <clears throat> we'll we'll get to things I don't know, but it sounds like they were very supportive of this. They were very supportive. Yes. Yeah, they were I I think they were I would be curious to actually interview them now and and get a better understanding of their emotional state at that time. But they were very much like, she wants to do this. And we want, if if we have the like means to make that happen and, and, and help her pursue this. I, I don't, I think they believed in me, but I also feel like they were like, we'll see how this goes. And if, you know, she attends this school and then decides she still wants to do it, or maybe she'll change her mind or whatever. But uh, I feel so grateful and so lucky that they were, they had my back. And when I said I wanted to go there, they were like, okay, let's, let's do it. How are we going to do it? That's so nice. Did you get yeah. homesick at all at that school? Oh my gosh. When my mom dropped me off, there were like a few days of orientation when I first got there. My mom moved me into the dorm and, um, we went shopping for essentials and, you know, they, they have like activities for new students and stuff to meet, meet all the people that were also starting that year. And then all the uh, returning students. And after those first few days, oh, I'll never forget. Oh God, it's going to make me cry. It was at night. My mom, it was like the last evening event of the orientation. And so she was going to, once she left that night, she was leaving the next morning. Like she was on a, on a plane or she was driving or something. And we said goodbye in the parking lot. And you know, it's, if you've never been to Michigan, it's, it's just the most incredible place. It's these gorgeous trees. I mean, you're just, you're surrounded by lakes. You're in the woods. It's, it's beautiful. So I remember all the, all the trees there in the darkness. And my mom got in, we hugged and I cried and she got in her van. And as she was driving, oh God, it's going to make me cry. I haven't thought about this in so long. She was like, go get him, Mary Holland. Oh, that's so sweet. I just need a second. Yeah. <laughs> um, Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. And then I, and then I sobbed and sobbed and never left my room for a few days. <laughs> but so I did get homesick, very homesick. But I, I remember that goodbye distinctly. The, the, the sadness I felt in that moment. I was like, oof. Cause I had been to summer camp and stuff before, you know, where mm-hmm. you're, I was away from my parents for an extended period of time, a few weeks. But this was the first time that I was like, whoa, I'm really doing this. I'm, my own. Yeah. Um, with financial support from my <laughs> Right. Family. But still, yeah. I think to be high school age and not living with your parents, yes. I mean, there, there are plenty of stories of people who do that, but me, dork who wanted to live at Eastland was not at all ready to do something like that. To me, that was like, right. wow, you're like an adult, you know? Right. It does, it really does make you grow up fast, I think, in some cases, or at least suddenly become aware of how much you were taken care of. Mm-hmm. It, I'm, and I mean, everything from what are you going to eat right. to laundering your sheets, which was something I was not good about. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it was good. It was good for my brain to, to have to, do that mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Yeah. And then when you graduated, where did, where did you go? When I graduated, I auditioned for all these different acting programs, conservatory acting programs, BFA acting programs all over the country and didn't get into almost all of them except for there was one in Illinois at the, at Northern Illinois university. There was a, um, an acting program there and I remember auditioning for the woman who was the head of the, that program and loved her. I, I just, she was so gracious and I just connected with her immediately and, uh, ended up going there. Yeah. Um, like I look at your career and to me, you're so successful at the time oh, though, how were it sound like hearing, that you didn't get in 
to a oh, bunch yes. of places. Were you feeling like, like it's a surprise to me because I think you're so talented. So it's a oh, surprise to me that you didn't get in. And it's a, a surprise to me that you were waitlisted um, at Interlochen, although you were like a child then. But were you, <laughs> was that, was that um, discouraging at the time? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, especially the, the, the rejection from Interlochen, I, I really was like, oh my God. But the, but, and it was so contradictory to what I felt in my bones, which was like, I, this was it. I have to do this. This is what I'm meant to do. I, I had such surety about it. And so to experience someone be like, no, nah, was like, huh, but it doesn't make sense, but this is my, this is my whole identity. Like yeah. I can't. Um, so even with those rejections, it was heartbreaking and discouraging, but it was also, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to let, cause also another thing that you hear all the time, whenever you want to say, or whenever you tell people, oh, I want to be an actor, I want to, you know, pursue that you're told you're going to hear no a lot. Mm. So I, I did know that as well was like, oh, this is what happens is you get rejected. But it was a lot of rejection, so <laughs> especially right at the top, for sure. At the beginning, were you pursuing – or let me rephrase the question. At some point, did you realize you had a passion for comedy? Yeah. I I had always been a bit of a – class clown. I really, uh, growing up, I loved making people laugh. I would really cut up in class and uh, didn't, was not a good student for that reason. I would joke around a ton. I loved the attention being on me. And the best way to do that was to make people laugh. And my sister's really funny. Like my, my dad's very fun. My whole family's very funny too. So I think that was always just kind of baked in but I wanted to be an actor. I, I, I was like, I want to be, oh, I want to do period films and, <laughs> and like go to the Oscars. And, and so when I went to theater school, it was, we re- kind of rarely did comedies more so at Interlock and we did comedies, but the, the college that I went to, it was very rare. We did very serious, very like Chekhov and, you know, which, you, you know, is funny, but it's not you know, hard hitting comedy. Um, and so I, w- I was on a track of being, I guess, a, a somewhat serious actor. And then, and then I found improv and started doing improv and then fell head over heels for it. And just, uh, yeah, comedy just ended up happening very organically. And where and when was that that you discovered or found improv? I found improv. It was the first year that I moved to LA. So I moved to LA right out of college mm-hmm. and in 2007 and I started, I, I, I just so happened to find this apartment in a building that was close to the UCB theater on Franklin in Hollywood. And the year before I had taken some classes at IO in Chicago. So I was familiar with, with, improv and, and long form improv specifically. And then, but UCB in LA was very young at that time. It had been there for maybe two years, but very well established in New York. And so I, my friend and I were like, well, let's go. We don't know what this is. We see this theater. There's a line out there all the time. We went and saw a show and I was like, oh my God, this is improv. This is like what? And so I signed up for classes right away. And, and it's that have been, oh, in that world and that community ever since. And I don't know what I do without it. So tell me about Corked. And I, I must confess, I am not someone who listens to a ton of scripted podcasts. I don't know why. It's like I have this, um, if I have this resistance to it or something. Um, <laughs> I understand that. I get that. Yes. I think to yeah. myself like, well, I could do a scripted podcast. I don't know. I could watch a TV show or I could read a book. It's like when I think of, something scripted podcast is not the form that I imagine that I want to enjoy it in. However, it is so funny and so good. And I think especially listeners of this show will love it because they'll recognize so many of the voices, John Gabris, Betsy Sidaro, oh, yeah. um, 
Yeah, it is. I was laughing out loud. Uh, so yeah, tell everyone uh, so about it. So many funny people. Yes, Corked is is a scripted podcast. It's out on HeadGum. It's like a true crime kind of documentary. So I would say it's sort of reminiscent of Serial, the Serial podcast, where there's an investigator, a journalist who's who's, you know, uh, unearthing this uh, crime, this mystery that's happened. And it's called Corked because it a lot of it takes place at a winery. Who doesn't love that? <laughs> um and yeah, I remember we recorded this before the pandemic and oh, wow. I had almost all my scenes with Anthony Gio, who is the the journalist mm-hmm. in the show and he's so brilliantly funny and yeah, I think they they did such an amazing job with this podcast because I I think you're right that there is podcasting for scripted material. You really need to like create a hook and a draw for people. And I think the one for this podcast is that it it is so well thought out, so funny, so brilliantly written. And there's also a lot of great improvising that happens within the script as well. That's you know? what I was wondering, like listening to some of the stuff between Betsy and Gabrus, I was yeah. wondering, is this improvised? I mean, it was just, it's all so funny. Yeah. 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 I, the, the creators of the show definitely were like, w- you can play within the lines, you know, mm-hmm. they, they gave us that freedom. And I think when you do cast improvisers, both for like, audio things or for live action things it it just behooves you to let them rip a little bit yeah because <laughs> they we we just uh you can find a lot of fun stuff in there if you can you know if you have the time to let people play around a bit and you play a character named marcy davenport tell us about mm-hmm. her marcy is a real piece of work <laughs> Um, yeah, this is like her family's winery and she's, she's out of touch. She's like very, um, dismissive of people. She's, she's sort of of an echelon of wealthy elitist people. And she's unabashedly that person. Like she really, uh, throws her weight around and is very condescending to everyone who's not, who she doesn't deem as like her on her level. Well, everyone should check it out. It's, it's only four episodes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Only four episodes. Yeah. On HeadGum. And it's just a fun fun listen, you know, if you're on a drive or something (laughs) or even on a walk. Or just sitting just there. Sitting. You could just <laughs> sit there. You could lay really any position. It works oh in my any position. You could be laying down. You could, you could be watching your studio crumble around you and you could no! be giggling. <laughs> um, I also no. wanted to ask, your name has been in the news because are you writing a movie oh, about yeah. Lance Bass and Danielle <laughs> Fischel's relationship before Lance Bass came out uh, as gay? Yes. Do tell, yes. please. Well, Lauren Lapkus and I were approached by Danielle, um, and Lance, and they told us their story. And we went, and obviously we, Lauren and I were of the age where they were like the stars when we were growing up. You know what I mean? Like right. they, I had posters of NSYNC. I had, you know, mm-hmm. and for anyone and who I doesn't watched know, Boy Meets World. Yeah. yeah. Danielle <laughs> played Topanga. On Boy Meets World. Oh, of course. Yes. yes. And she. An iconic role. Yes. And, <laughs> and now has a podcast about Boy Meets World and is married to Jensen Carp, who, um, used to come on my show or had, has been on my show like a handful of times. So I think everyone yeah. knows who she is and everyone knows who he is. So everyone knows who they are. Okay. Everyone knows. But I didn't know I mean, that if, they had if gone you out. You don't, you gotta look them up. It's so fascinating. They met, they, they like uh, met as teen superstars you know what i mean Amazing. and and had had this really beautiful relationship they were they loved each other so much and so their story is really sweet and really moving and they're they're close to this day they're best friends to this day so um danielle is good friends with and jensen they're good friends with lauren and and they uh brought us in to hear this story and see if we had a take on it and so we uh, came up with this idea for the movie and we're hoping to find a home for it. But yeah, it's, it's, um, 
we would, oh my gosh, so love to make this movie because it is such, it really is such a beautiful story and they're so great. That's really sweet. And have you written yeah. it yet or you're trying to find a home and then write it? I per, person who doesn't yeah. know how it all works exactly. Uh, you know what? I also don't know how it all works. <laughs> People who um, don't know how it works right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we're, we're trying to find a home for it. We have the we've written like a treatment for it and, and, you know, we're ready to go to, to fully flesh it out in script, but, um, but yeah, trying to find the right home for Mm -hmm. it first. When did you get into screenwriting? You are, I must commend you. You're so prolific. Oh, thank you. uh, uh, (laughs) It's almost like you can feel like you have very little going back to what we were talking about before with driving at 16, you can feel like you have very little agency as an actor, you know, Mm -hmm. you're sort of the, the last to be kind of plugged into a project Mm -hmm. right before it gets made. And there's a whole year's worth of stuff that, that happens before that. Um, and so I, I have found that writing and especially when you can write something for yourself to play, it just, it's so exciting to give yourself, to make opportunities for yourself. And that's definitely what I've, what I've found with writing and have learned so much from writing with people like Clea Duvall, who is, who is, uh, such an incredible writer and director. And, and I'm so lucky to have gotten to, to learn from her. And I think that, uh, we as actors love to be storytellers. We love to tell stories and embody these characters. And writing is another way into that process. And so, especially in the pandemic when there was, a, it, it was quiet for so long. And, and there was even a part of me in March of 2020 where I was like, well, I guess that's it. <laughs> Movies are I a, over. I think a lot of people felt that way. <laughs> yeah. So in that time, it, it really became a thing of collaborating with, with friends, Lauren Lapkus and, and other friends on various projects and like, let's do, how can we stay creative and stay active and keep telling stories, even if we're not able to like go out and perform right now? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Happiest season, which I, like I, I told you, I think before we started, I loved that. Um, Kristen Stewart. Forget oh so many so many recognizable faces in it and I'm blanking right now uh, on their names Mary Holland oh yeah well Mary Holland first and foremost of course Kristen Stewart Um, Kristen Stewart Mackenzie Davis yes Allison Brie Mary Steenburgen that's right um, Victor Garber it was it was so many great people Dan Levy of course how did Um, how did you and Clea get hooked up for that that project yeah. We met actually doing Veep. Okay. We yeah, we were both on Veep at the same time. She was on. She had had been on that show for a while, and I was coming in. It was season six, and I came to a table read. I never, my character never had any scenes with with Clea's character, but I came to a table read and sat with her, and we just right away sort of clicked with each other. We we just um had a very uh easy chemistry and she had the idea for happy season for a long time and and wanted to uh write that with somebody and so she she approached me and asked told me the idea and asked if I would um you know be a part of that process with her and I was like hell yeah <laughs> uh and yeah that was how it all started it so the story is about um and fill in any any gaps sure um it's about a woman who is a lesbian but she has not come out to her family That's um right. and she's not ready to come out to her family yet but she right. brings her new girlfriend home right but she wants to just pretend yes, they're for friends Christmas. yes but her yeah. new girlfriend is like chafing at being presented as the friend Yes. Yes. So I'm wondering how you as a straight woman, if mm-hmm. I'm right, I'm right about that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, did you have concerns about co-writing that story? To me, I, I saw my my part in telling that story as a supporting 
position to Clea. To me, it was Clea was always the 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 captain of that mm-hmm. ship. Like this was this was it was inspired by her personal experience. It's her story. She w- is directing it. Like I, I very much wanted to support her in telling the story that she wanted to tell that spoke to her experience in the best way that I could. And so I, I absolutely was aware of the fact that I have not been through this experience. This is not my story. And so my, what is my contribution in this process and, and how can I be the best partner to Clea in order to, to help bolster her and and lift her up and uh, support her story. And where can people find that? Hulu. Perfect. Yes, it's very Christmassy. (laughs) And you know what people need when it's over 100? They need a nice Christmassy movie. Oh, yeah. You got to see people in long wool coats, (laughs) you know, drinking hot beverages. It's just, it's what you want. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm jumping all around, but I have a question about growing up in a tiny town with two parents who are radiologists. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad is a doctor, retired years ago, but oh, a doctor really? as well. Yes. And I feel like I'm wondering, like, what was the experience like for you of growing up with doctor parents? Because I am trying I think about the ways that it having a doctor for a parent affected me. I do think that like when I'm on a plane and they're like, are there any doctors here? I am. I mean, I never have actually done this, but I'm always tempted to be like, well, but I feel like I've gleaned a lot of medical knowledge. You know, <laughs> I feel like I yeah. know a lot. <laughs> I do. I do feel like I, I, I'm at the very least, I'm not squeamish around things to do with the body or, or medicine or anything. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not, um, I'm not afraid of needles or, or blood or I actually, I, I really can't bear it on a, in a movie, mm-hmm. but in person, I sort of snap into this, like, okay, what are we, what are we, what are we doing here mode? Um, and it doesn't bother me that much. Right. So I wonder if that is a part of that. I also like after school, I don't know if, uh, this was true of you too, but after school, I would go, my parents would work until like five or six. So my, my siblings and I would often go to the hospital and just hang out in the halls of the hospital, uh, until they got off work. Mm -hmm. So also being in a hospital isn't, is kind of a familiar place to me. Um, so that I think, you know, it did build that sort of, uh, desensitization to that kind of stuff to me. Yeah. Um, but I, I did, uh, speaking of kind of jumping into action mode, if there is some sort of body, something happening, I was a caregiver at, um, a retirement community for a summer. And, uh, and there was, there were a lot of things that came up with some of the, the residents there that were, you know, it, pretty intense and pretty, pretty, uh, uh, it was a lot. It was, mm-hmm. it was like being a caregiver. I definitely was not a nurse and, and didn't have that kind of, um, control or anything, but, or uh, I didn't need that sort of technical know how, but it, there were some incidents where it was like, you gotta, you have to do something here. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think coming from a medical, family help with that in some way. Right. How many siblings do you have? I have two siblings, a sister and a brother. Did any of them go into medicine? Uh, yeah. Well, my sister is a veterinarian. Oh, okay. So yes, three animals. There you go. Um, yeah, but my, my grandfather was a doctor. My, you know, like I have so many, my uncle's a doctor. I have a lot of doctors in my family. Do you? Um, yes. My, yeah, my grandfather also. And then my uncle, um, yeah, a lot of them. But I feel like had <clears throat> my sister or I shown interest in it, well, I think if we had shown interest in it, my family would have encouraged it. But I think my dad was like overjoyed that we weren't interested in it. Oh, yeah. Really? <laughs> I mean, I think that he was like, it's the, 
the profession has changed a lot. Like, oh, it's, interesting. The insurance companies are making oh, all yeah. the decisions. It's yeah. not the same business. It's business is not the word he would use. It's not the same. Uh, it's not the same as it used to be. Like, it used to be that you know the doctor made the decisions, and now you're at the mercy of the insurance company, Ugh. and it's just a real mess. Yeah, yeah, that sounds awful. That's how. Yeah, he got pretty like disenchanted with the whole. Yeah, the, whole, the way it all. I get it. I mean, I think that the, listen, this is not a hot take. The healthcare (laughs) system in our country is really, really messed up. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, And then also, so I know Galex is very tiny. Are they like the only two radiologists in the town? (laughs) (laughs) They they were maybe two of like five. I think it was a pretty small team. And the, the hospital they worked at, serviced all the surrounding counties. So mm-hmm. it was like, it was based in Galax, but it was the hospital for like four or five different counties that were just outside Galax. So it was, it was a big building. Was it? I guess to me it was because I was so small <laughs> as a child. Um, but yeah, I don't think it, it wasn't like, you know, a hospital you'd see in New York City or something. It, w- it was pretty small, even though it, it did service all those counties. Right. Um, so something we do on this show is a segment called Just Me or Everyone, mm-hmm. where people write in with things they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me or everyone? If any listeners would like to send in theirs, please tweet them to me at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. That's Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Use the hashtag J-M-O-E. Um, but do you have a Just Me or Everyone? I do. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Mine is the one that that I that oh it comes up every day. It's even coming up now as I as I see myself on this Zoom and it's is it just me or does everyone have the feeling when they see themselves in the mirror, are they shocked by their face? <laughs> <laughs> That's not just you. Okay, great. It's not just you. I, I'm like, this is what it – how does it – I also because I'm also not really looking in the mirror as I'm animated and talking, so mm-hmm. I don't know like what someone's experience of my face is, um, but I will say from – looking at pictures in the mirror and stuff, I'm like, this is what it looks like. It's just so weird being in here and having an idea of what you're working with and then to see it. Mm -hmm. And it's something totally different. Right. Now, are you talking about sort of like a, a surreal existential, like, oh, I'm locked inside this for the rest of my life (laughs) feeling? Or are you talking about like a self-conscious, like, you're not, it doesn't sound like you're talking about an insecurity thing as much as like, oh, that's who is on the, yes, uh, that's it's, the it's more skin that. on the outside of this. Yeah. It, I, that's what the, these yeah. bones look like. Yes. 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 For sure. But, but now you've got me thinking I'm trapped in here <laughs> I and I need to. I didn't, I didn't mean to put that. Yeah. I have that. <laughs> I'm too. trapped. I'm trapped. Yeah. I have that. It, yeah. yeah. I, I definitely have those weird sort of like, I am on the inside of this. That's so strange. Totally. And, and totally. then I go like, for the rest of my life, but I'll never see it. I'll never see it because I'm always going to be it. inside it. Exactly. So that's weird to think about. And it's also, I think, a- as an actor, very weird to like watch yourself on screen. Every time I do, I'm like, that's what I look like. <laughs> like it's, it's all, it's never not a shock. And I, I, I'm just curious if that's, a common experience or if that's just me. <laughs> but it sounds like you're, you've had the experience. Too. I have too. I don't know. Okay, I can't good. say whether it's common or not though. Um, well, listeners chime please in. Please do. Let us know. <laughs> but when you say that every time you see yourself on screen, you have it, is it in a similar way or is it in a new and different way every time? It's, it feels new and different every time. Because sometimes I'm like, and, and it, it's beyond just looking, do I look good? Yeah. <laughs> or do I, do I look, am I pleasant to look at? That is its own, you know, hell, uh, hell, personal <laughs> hell. 
And the answer in my head is no, absolutely not. But, but, but that's its own thing. Mm. It's more like, oh, wow. I'm, I'm like doing these things with my face. And it's so, I, I guess I'm just always surprised by it somehow. Always, uh, always a little, it's just not, I guess what I think I'm doing. Hmm. I don't know. It's interesting. I had a thing recently, um, and you as an actor, <laughs> I'm sure this will sound either you'll totally relate or this will sound very rudimentary and elementary to you. Um, I had a very small role in an audiobook and I did it and I thought that it was like that I I did it in a pretty broad way. Mm-hmm. Um and the director was happy with it. Uh so I didn't need to listen back, but I did listen back before I sent it was you know pandemic so it was via Zoom. So I did listen back before I sent it over. Um and what I thought was very broad was actually very subtle. And it reminded wow. me I had taken when I was in I lived in New York and I had taken um, classes at UCB and I remember that uh, it was Betsy Stover actually who you probably oh, know right. yeah, yeah. Um, she was my teacher when she was like twelve years old and <laughs> <laughs> wow oh my god I know she was uh, she was like Do- Dookie Hazard no she I, she was young she wasn't twelve but I remember <laughs> she she said to me and another student she said something like. Um, you got, she's like, both of you are very, it wasn't negative sounding, but it was like, you're both, you're, you're smaller than you think you are. Your actions mm. are. So, so keep, keep that in mind or something, but it wasn't, it, it, that wasn't the language she used though. Um, right. And she like totally nailed it. Cause I had that experience of like, but it, it, but it's a little bit what you're saying of like that thing of like, oh, what I did with my face was not what I thought I was doing with my face. Like what I did with my voice was not my experience of what I was doing with my voice, which yeah. is a little bit weird because I make my living with my voice, but not, yeah. in, not in a scripted way. Right. So, right. but it was a, that was a, a weird, it was kind of like a, a slap in the face from myself. Like, oh, that's yeah. completely different than what I thought it was. <laughs> And it, yes, I mean, that's exactly it. That, that, that phenomenon of like what, what is, what the output is versus what you are, what you think the output yeah. is. I have the opposite problem where okay. I think I'm being so subtle and it's the most giant facial expression you'll ever see. Interesting. But that probably works so, though. For the well, stuff. It, uh, <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yes, it is. It's everybody, everybody who like, performs in some way I would think would have a little bit of that one way or the other yeah yeah it's it's weird though too because I have things where I can be kind of like twitchy or like ticky a little bit actually um, especially if I'm under stress and so Mm -hmm. I'll like just be like um what's the word like contracting a muscle in my face or something Mm -hmm. and I think think like maybe something like over or behind my ear it just feels good to just <laughs> with my... <laughs> so embarrassing i don't ever talk about this oh but my it's... god I'm kind of like <laughs> just you like... can tweak it yourself i can or, yeah are just you saying you massage it or you make it no like, i just like no it's completely internal like i just oh it's like i that's it's cool just like something that i think that no one can see that i'm doing it right but then i'll watch video and it's like you can totally it's like i'm sitting there hard I mean I'm not actually doing it but it looks as as if I'm like hard blinking my eyes or something it's like completely interesting completely visible so there's something where my action is way bigger than than I was aware right 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 but I will say too a a caveat to all of this is that we tend to really of course be so so self-critical yes but also just we think very small things can be so big. Yes. And so it, it it comes right back around where it's like, I think I'm being subtle. It, I look like I see it and I'm like, oh my God, I'm being so big. And then, and then 
I think, well, maybe that's my perception of it. Maybe it's not that big. Yeah. Maybe it, you know, so it's like you could really go yeah. down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Ultimately, most people are just looking at themselves. So, yeah, yeah, not we're casting looking at ourselves. <laughs> we're <laughs> unfortunately no. no, they're 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 looking at others. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and then also, do you have a hey go fuck yourself? Hey, go fuck yourself. Uh, actually, I do, and I do. And it's it's to do with skincare and makeup. Oh, I can't wait. And so uh, my hey, go fuck yourself is, hey, go fuck yourself expiration dates on makeup that it, it takes me 12 years to get through anyway. <laughs> it, it's like I watched a video once where um, – Oh, I think it was uh, Bobby Brown was like, who's it? You know, a makeup. She has her own makeup line. She's been doing makeup for decades. She was like, if anything's older than two years, throw throw it out. And I was like, ma'am, everything I own is five plus years old. I'm like not able to like go through a tub of blush that quickly. And it feels wild to throw it away when you've spent however much money um, and same is true of just serums, serums and moisturizers. They should not be allowed to expire. They should put whatever kind of synthetic thing they got to put in there to make it have the shelf life of I, cause I want my skincare products to like outlive me is I guess my point. <laughs> so, Hey, skincare and makeup that expires, go fuck yourself. Hey, 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 go, go fuck yourself. <laughs> All right. Yes, I completely agree. I have makeup that I still sometimes use. Same. That I had before I moved to New York. That and I moved to New York. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm admitting this. I moved to New York <laughs> in 2002. <laughs> and nothing in me, nothing I haven't I haven't fallen apart yet. My studio is falling apart, but I'm fine. No, and, and I, you look great. Thank your you. Skin looks great. Thank yeah. you. It's vintage yeah. makeup. <laughs> oh, well, it's vintage makeup, and I'm sure you'll have so many listeners be like, "This is so bad." It's so for bad your for you. Skin. Yeah, um, but it's also, yeah. oh gosh, it, it just goes against every part of your brain that's like, I invested money it's in so this expensive. like thing. Yeah, and and I'm gonna throw it away when it's not even like halfway used or something. But there it's are certain like lipstick I wouldn't use from that long ago because that becomes disgusting. Um, yes, it starts to have a scent. Scent. Yeah, that's and a taste. Good. Yeah, lipstick is a yeah. That's a that's its own thing. Yeah. But they say you're supposed to throw out mascara after like three months. I don't think so. Oh I, my no way. gosh! I, yeah, I've had mascara for decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, and can I not close my eyes? Sure, <laughs> when I wear it, of course. You're but right. But my though. lashes look great. <laughs> Can't they just put preservatives in there? Uh, come on, there's got to be some. There has to be some way to extend the shelf life. Mm-hmm. But you know, I guess that goes against organic. Hard. I organic hard things. agree. Are we hard? Ag- <laughs> are we hard agreeing? Can an agree be hard? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Mary Holland, in my head, I say Mary Holland days because that's your Instagram handle. <laughs> this has been delightful. Thank oh, you yeah, so, so much, so, so much. Tell everyone where they can find you, what they should look out for, etc. Thank you so much for having me, Allison. I had so much fun talking to you. Um, you can find me. Yes, I'm on Instagram at Mary Holland days, posting uh, updates and goings on there. And then that is, that is mostly where you'll find me, but I'm also, yeah, check out Happiest Season on Hulu. Um, there's, uh, all kinds of fun stuff. Golden Arm, I believe is, is streaming right now on HBO Max. So with Betsy. With Betsy. My listeners and love that's, her. Oh my gosh. Who doesn't? Yeah, she's, she's a, great. she's a dream. And that's a buddy comedy. Betsy and I play best friends who, uh, w- go out into the world of uh women's arm wrestling, competitive women's arm wrestling. And Betsy is so funny in that movie. So I, I highly recommend checking it out for her alone. Yeah. Awesome. Um, 
if you like what you're hearing, or even if you don't, please make sure you're subscribed, tell a friend, leave us a nice comment on Apple Podcasts, five stars, or wherever you're listening. It helps out the show. Uh, also, I'm on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Uh, bonus episodes of my uh, podcast, my bonus podcast, The Friend Zone. There's a level where you can text me and I'll text you back, all sorts of fun stuff. You subscribe for a year and get two months free or do it month by month. It is up to you. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Also, I'm on Cameo. Also, check out my other podcasts, Childish. It's my parenting-ish podcast with Greg Fitzsimmons and Upworthy Weekly, my lighthearted news podcast, which comes out on Saturdays. And follow me on social media at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram. Um, okay. Thank you so much, Mary. This was so much fun. Listeners, thank, thank you, you for, for listening. Me. I love you. Thanks, you, everybody. Yeah, thank you. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time.